Hi everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manucheri and today's episode is all about gum disease. Our guest today is Dr. Rina Wadia who is a specialist periodontist practicing in central London. In this episode, Dr. Wadia very clearly explains what gum disease actually is in simple terms and what factors can actually predispose us to experiencing this disease. We also talk about the treatment of gum disease and the impact that oral hygiene can actually have on not only the treatment but prevention of this disease. We also briefly touch on gum recession, the signs and symptoms for the patients, as well as the treatment options we have to treat this issue. So I really hope you enjoy this episode and let's get into it. Hi, Rina. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. This is a very, very hot topic and very important, so I'm really glad you're joining me today to talk about this. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how you got here, please? Sure. So um, my name's Rena. I'm a specialist periodontist. I'm based in London, um, so I've got a specialist referral clinic in central London, which is where I spend most of my time. Um, apart from that, um, I also do a little bit of teaching and see patients at King's Hospital as well. Um, uh, and as well as that, I'm lucky enough to be involved in quite a lot of teaching for dentists, hygienists and dental students as well. Was there a particular moment in your career that you realised that perio and uh, specialising in perio is for you? So I always sort of wanted to specialise as I thought it would be quite nice to focus on one particular area of dentistry. I did enjoy all types of dentistry, but I think I found it at the beginning quite a lot to take in and quite uh, stressful in terms of trying to be amazing at every single thing. So I wanted to hone down into one thing in particular. Um, what that one thing was, I wasn't sure initially, um, but as I uh, developed more experience, had a look at what uh, different fields do, Perio definitely appealed to me straight away. Um, largely because you get to develop quite a long-term relationship with your patients. It's a team approach, so it's not just what you do as a profession, um, but it's also what the patient does at home, which makes probably even a bigger difference. So I quite enjoyed that working relationship with my patients. Um, but also there is so much you can achieve with perio, um, big impacts on things like general health. So it's not just limited to the mouth. Um, and also I quite like the um, surgical side of it as well. And what differences you can make with things like people who suffer from gum recession, gummy smiles, that type of thing. So um, I thought it was a perfect thing for me and I'm really enjoying it so far. This is a question I ask all of our guests. How do you deal with the stress of the job? Because dentistry is obviously quite physically and mentally challenging. Yes. Um, how do you personally deal with the stress? Um, I think that it, it's all about balance. So I don't work on clinic every single day. So my working week, uh, actually seeing patients is about three and a half days at my own clinic and then one day in the hospital. Um, I try and intersperse that with other types of work. So um, teaching, uh, non-clinical work, admin things as well. So I try and space out so that it's not really intense with patients every single day. Um, my days are quite long, so we normally start sort of eight-ish, and sometimes we don't finish till 8 p.m. So um, it can be quite a long day. So although it's 
sort of three and a half days it's probably adds up to be a little bit longer so I think it's important not just um, to balance it with non-dental stuff but also within your dental work um, I try and mix it up with, it, with a few things but saying that I think it's important to not do dentistry as well for some of the time so I like to block out my calendar with other things which um, I actually shade my calendar so I have red zones and blue zones so red is all work related and blue is all kind of what I call play so it's things like meeting my friends you know working out um, anything that is downtime um, and I can switch off so I always make sure every month that's fairly balanced and that's really really helped me keep up my energy levels that's very good that's very organized I think <laughs> a recurring theme that we've been getting from a lot yeah. of our guests is just balancing with because dentistry is quite uh, quite demanding so a lot of people are actually more towards working part-time and then what people don't right. realize is that when we're off clinical dentistry there's actually a lot of admin work to be done a lot of education and if you're doing things you know on the side for example like you say teaching and things like that you do need yeah. a lot of admin time for it actually so what kind of treatments do you do in your clinic when you see your patients that are referred to you? Sure. So it's all sort of all we do at the clinic is periodontal care, essentially, um, and specialist periodontal care. So that starts off with things like non-surgical treatment. So the majority of people who are being referred that have gum disease or periodontal disease, um, majority of them will require what we call non-surgical um, gum therapy, which is where um, we treat the deep pockets, um, we treat the bleeding and essentially make them healthy. Sometimes if that doesn't work or it's not enough, then we do some gum uh, pocket surgery essentially, which is a different way of treating gum disease. I think people always, surgery is a scary word. And people, it always puts people off, but I think it's important to, to mention that it's just a different way of doing something. Um, it doesn't mean it, it hurts. It doesn't mean it's not very nice. It just means it's a slightly different way of us doing things for the patient to achieve the goal we need to. So. Um, some of the time, I have to say, it's a small majority. If the non-surgical conservative approach doesn't work, we take the surgical approach. And within surgery, in terms of treating gum disease, um, we can do something called pocket reduction surgery, where we actually, essentially, in the most simplistic terms, cut away the pocket. Or if the bone is of the right shape, we can actually try and rebuild the bone that's been lost through things like bone grafts, which is, is great if we can do it. Um, so that's the kind of periodontal disease side. We also treat quite a few patients with gum recession. And gum recession, I'm finding, is becoming even more um, common nowadays. And people are not, it's not only even more common, people are more aware of it. So I have patients, especially young patients, come in and say, look, I've got this gum which has receded. I don't like the way it looks. Um, what can you do? So um, we do quite a lot of treatment where we try and correct the gum recession. In some cases where we can't correct it, we make sure it doesn't get any worse. So that's a big category. And then finally is um, something we call crown lengthening or uh, some people call it gum lifts where if people have got gummy smiles. We essentially remove the excess gum. Um, to, so it's at the right level. We lengthen the teeth so they look uh, more attractive. Um, and uh, that can be done for aesthetic reasons. But also if the tooth's very broken down, we can also do some uh, crown lengthening for that as well as the dentist are. So I would say it's quite a variety of treatment when people think of a periodontist it's not just treating gum disease in the most simplistic terms there's quite a lot involved and there's quite a lot of people involved as well so it's not just me we'll have the hygienist involved as well um, and as I said the patient is a key part of the treatment as well it's a it's a condition where compliance is super important so yeah we all work as a team 
Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting to know that within the specialized area of uh, perio, there is so much to it. And it's not just treating disease, it's actually a lot of aesthetic stuff that goes into it. Let's start with the basics. What is gum disease in simplistic terms? Okay, so gum disease, first of all, to say is the most common disease of humans. Um, uh, Unfortunately, it's one of the least acknowledged, but it's actually the most common disease. Um, And in terms of stats, um, over about 80% of people over the age of 35 have some form of gum disease. And Mm -hmm. gum disease is made up of, um, firstly, the first thing you get is something called gingivitis. And if that's not treated, um, that's reversible itself. If that's not treated, then you start getting irreversible damage and you get something called periodontitis. And that's when um, it becomes irreversible uh, and that's kind of more serious. So in terms of what gum disease actually is, um, basically teeth are held in place by bone, your jawbone, whether it's your lower jawbone or your upper jawbone. And around the bone, you have gum, which normally is nice and tight and sort of seals everything together. In gum disease, or as I said, the right word is periodontal disease. Perio means around, dental means tooth. So it's a condition affecting not your teeth, it's a bit around the teeth. So the gum, but also the bone underneath. Um, and what happens is you get bacteria which attach to the teeth. The gums don't like it, so they start bleeding. And that's usually the first sign to get bleeding gums. And bleeding in any part of your body is an alarm bell. It's your body saying, look here, something's not quite right. It's a bit like if your arm was bleeding that would draw your attention, right? And you say, I need to do something about this. It's the same thing in the mouth. And that's the first sign. And that's what we call gingivitis. After that, what happens is quite important. The gum then loosens up around the tooth. So instead of being sealed, you get a space forming between the tooth and the gum. And that space is called a pocket. And the problem with the pocket is once the pocket opens up, the bacteria can go inside the pocket and travel down to the bone. And if they hit the bone, they can start dissolving the bone away. So the jawbone essentially gets less. The pocket then has space to get deeper, bacteria go down again, hit more jawbone, jawbone gets less, the pocket gets deeper, and basically keeps going because no matter how well you clean, you can't physically clean inside a deep pocket. So the condition continues to progress. This is now what we call periodontitis, and teeth become loose, uh, and the end outcome, there's nothing holding your teeth in place, even if your teeth are super healthy, if you don't have good uh, gum and bone, your teeth are going to come out, and that's the end outcome, essentially, which is tooth loss. So that's essentially periodontal disease in a nutshell. That's a very good explanation. Very, very good. I can tell you've had some practice saying this over and over again. <laughs> to say, though, um, that's a general process. Now, different people get it for different reasons. And um, there's always a combination of reasons. It's not just about bacteria. There's other things involved, like genetics. A big part of why people get it is genetics. I say to my patients, it's quite an unfair condition. You know, like some people don't even brush their teeth and they're fine. Yet some people really look after their mouth and they still have gum disease. Why is that? Because of the genetic susceptibility. So there's that. Things like smoking are big risk factors, high stress levels, diabetes. So uh, other things in the mouth, like local factors, grinding of teeth. So there's so much involved. It's usually a combination of things as to why it actually happens and what Mm -hmm. makes it worse. 
Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned that gum disease is a progression. So there's a scale from being very, very minimal from gingivitis, which is actually very, very common. I think a lot of us get it at least at some point in our lives. And I think, like you correctly said, a lot of people actually ignore that. So, you know, some patients say that if you, you know, when you go for a checkup and the dentist checks your gums and they're kind of, you know, frustrated that you're poking their gums and the gums are bleeding. But it's important to note that healthy gums shouldn't be bleeding at all. Even if you yeah, I, I com- completely agree, and I think from the patient's perspective, often they think you've got this sharp thing, you're stabbing them with it so many times. Is that firstly really necessary? Well, yes, because that's the only way we know how to check the health of your gums. But also, um, as you said, if it's healthy, it shouldn't bleed. So I think that's a key. Um, key and it's, it's so easy to ignore bleeding gums. I think it's just I don't know why in the mouth we think it's okay. But if, if your arm was continually bleeding, you know, we wouldn't ignore you would it. Worry. Think, you'd worry, exactly. So I think it's yeah. just uh, as important to pay attention in the mouth. Catch it whilst it's early, because when it is an early stage, it's so easy to treat. So, yeah. yeah. Look out for and the that's, the, that's the only stage that it's reversible, because we know Correct. that as it progresses, it's irreversible damage. And even if we treat the gum disease, we can't reverse the damage that's already been done. We can only stop it getting worse. That's um, it. So let's talk a little bit more about the risk factors and what kind of contributes to gum disease. So who we mentioned genetics, smoking. So how does smoking, for example, cause gum disease? So smoking is a, uh, one of the biggest um, social risk factors for gum disease. Um, Smoking all around is not good news for a patient with gum disease because it it increases their likelihood of getting it. So even if you're healthy now, if you do smoke, you are increasing your chances of getting it. If you get it, it's normally much more severe than it would be for the average patient. Um, also, it's more extensive. And the treatment, if you do treat gum disease when someone's got, someone is a, a smoker, it will work, but not as well. Nowhere near as well as if someone was able to stop smoking. Not only that, if you treat it, it's also more likely to come back. So I think smoking is one of the biggest risk factors. It accelerates gum disease. It doesn't cause it, it accelerates it um, through various things and mainly to do to the immune system and the inflammatory response. Um, we actually don't know them. We understand there's a lot of evidence for it, but we don't understand the details of it very, very well. Um, but it's certainly the, I'd say one of the biggest risk factors along with diabetes for patients with um, gum disease. So yeah, I think smoking cessation is a, a key part of anyone's treatment journey. And I think you're thinking of having gum treatment thinking of um sort of changing the health of your mouth stopping smoking would be the first thing um vaping kind of we don't know how safe that is um it's probably safer but in in terms of the mouth we actually don't know so even vaping it's important to try and stop that fully as well that's quite interesting because i think a lot of people are switching to vaping now and thinking it's a healthier alternative but actually we don't have enough evidence to to know how it affects the mouth and whether it is safer i think for your general health it probably is safer um but for your mouth we just don't know um i would i would say it's a really good tool to help you stop smoking because it's the only smoking cessation tool which actually mimics the behavioral side of smoking the chewing gum doesn't do that the patches don't do that but smoking, um, obviously the behavioral side, vaping does do that. So it's good if you're trying to stop, but I would, the way I would sort of tackle it is reducing the nicotine amount. Uh, Cause you know, the nicotine amount in your vape can, can vary. So slowly say you reduce that, get to zero and then completely stop. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. And of course, another big thing that contributes to gum disease is, is poor oral hygiene because yes. if there is plaque, the gum is going to see it as a foreign body that it's going to try and sort of fight off essentially and it ends up eating exactly. itself away. So right. let's talk about the treatment of perio. So we assess it and say somebody has gum disease. Uh, yeah. What is the treatment for it? Sure. So the, the treatment itself, so going back to the pockets, essentially what we're trying to do is disinfect the pockets. So those bacteria are in the deep pockets. We want to clean them out, disinfect them. You can't grow the bone back, but you can close the pocket. And that's the aim is to close the pocket and stop the bleeding. If you can do that, you keep your teeth for life. Even if you can reduce the, the depth of your pocket, the lower the number of the pocket, the longer you keep your teeth. So but the aim is really to close up the pocket and stop um, the bleeding and halts the progression of the bone loss as well. And we essentially do that via a series of disinfection steps, which um, essentially you're going into the pocket, you're not, you're numbed up, so it doesn't hurt, you're completely comfortable, but you're clearing out the, the, the debris. Um, and then your home care is going to be quite critical to make sure the environment is correct for the maximum amount of healing. Sometimes people with very deep pockets won't, um, it will reduce a little bit with first round of treatment, but they might need a little bit more. To get it perfect so sometimes it's not just an, it's not an overnight fix with gum disease you it's a bit of a journey it takes a couple of months uh, usually um, but once it's there you all you have to do is maintain it and then it shouldn't come back mm -hmm. and it's one of those things gum disease that uh, some of it is what we do but a lot of it is actually how the patient is keeping the teeth clean at home because 100 um, we you know we see them even if we see them regularly we're not seeing them every day so it's what they do at home every day that makes all the difference and i think that the worse the gum disease is obviously the more difficult it is to keep the areas clean as you said it's difficult to yeah. reach deep in the in those pockets to keep them clean but um what kind of oral hygiene routine would you recommend to your patients who have gum disease Sure. So, yeah, as you said, I, I agree. I think it's a lot about what the patient does at home. I always say to my patients, it's 80% about what you do and 20% about what, what I do. And I think that's a, a good stat. I think a lot of people even say 90, 10, but I'll go with 80, 20. Um, in terms of oral hygiene regime, so in terms of your home care, um, first of all, um, in terms of toothbrushes, I would definitely recommend an electric toothbrush. It's far more effective at cleaning your teeth than a manual one. It does the work for you and the, the bristle motion, you'll never be able to sort of re reproduce that yourself. Um, so it also for people, you know, who aren't sure about the amount of pressure you have to apply, all those kind of things it helps you with, there's timers, so it ensures that you're brushing for the required amount of time. So the first thing I would say is switch to an electric toothbrush. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't really have a, 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 you know, a particular brand that I like, but I think people with gum disease, I like round heads, so the Oral-B brush is quite nice, but I mean, any electric brush is fine. Um, the second thing is I would say is make sure you clean in between your teeth. Um, if you're not cleaning in between your teeth, you're missing out almost half of the mouth. So it's a bit like, you know, if you had a dirty dish, you wouldn't just clean one side of it, you'd wash the whole plate. Um, otherwise you wouldn't feel right eating from it again. So um, I think the key thing is to use something in between your teeth. Even if you're healthy, um, you do need to clean between your teeth. And for that, you can use interdental brushes, which are your gold standard. So the evidence base is that if you can get a brush through the gap, use a brush that's far more effective than floss. If you can't get a brush through the gap, then use floss. Other devices um, you get on the market, things like water pick, air floss, that type of stuff, it's okay but it just removes debris. So I don't think you definitely need to use it. In fact, it will just add time to your regime. 
it's a bit like if you had that dirty dish, you're just rinsing it. You're not actually scrubbing it. And you know, again, rinsing is not going to do very much. So I would say stick with the floss in terms of brushes. Um, and then finally, I would also say tongue cleaning is really important. Your tongue is made up of loads of little crypts and um, little areas where bacteria can, can get trapped. If you don't clean that off, it can lead to a tongue coating, which is, as well as gum disease, one of the biggest causes of bad breath. I don't think you need mouthwash. Um, mouthwash is just an additional thing, which if you use straight after brushing, you're washing away the toothpaste, which contains all the good stuff. So if you know, some people love mouthwash, that's fine. You can use it at a different time to brushing, which is important. Um, the way I like to explain it to my patients is mouthwash is a bit like perfume. After a shower, you don't really need it. It's just nice if you want like a breath freshener, but again, use it at a different time. So in terms of order, I would start off with incidental brushes as the first thing. Then I would go on with um, brushing and then tongue scraping. Other little tools for patients with established gum disease, you can have these things called single tufted brushes. Um, and they're quite helpful for areas where you've got existing deep pockets or like you've got a wisdom tooth, which is not in the correct position. It helps you to reach those hard to reach areas. So that's like an additional thing. I would probably speak to your dental professional if you need that or not. That's very interesting because a lot of people ask me actually about water picks and it's important to know yeah. that it does kind of help, but it's not as good as something like an interdental brush or floss. So, and they're actually quite tricky to use. I don't know if you've used one, but yeah. it's, it's actually quite tricky. Um, yeah. And mouthwash as well. I think people have a tendency to like mouthwash and use mouthwash, yes. but it, it, that's a very good analogy that you have. It doesn't actually do very much. It might sort of mm -hmm. make the mouth feel a bit more fresh, but in terms of plaque removal, it doesn't actually do anything. So what will happen if gum disease is left untreated? So if gum disease is left untreated and you start getting to the periodontitis side, so as well as bleeding gums at the beginning, which may not bother many people, um, your gums start to swell, things can become sore, um, interestingly, gum disease doesn't cause that much pain until it's really bad. So most people won't even know they've got gum disease until it's really, really severe. So that's why you have to look out for the subtle signs. Other things that can happen is you can start to develop a bad taste, a bad breath. That's because all the bacteria are essentially trapped in those pockets that you can't reach. So you're going to start to, to notice that. Um, your teeth will then eventually start moving around. So they'll be a little bit looser. Um, that might cause problems with you biting. Again, it might cause some pain. It might change the position of your teeth. So you might start noticing the alignment of your teeth is affected. You might start noticing gaps opening up. Um, again, that's quite a common trigger for someone to then think, oh, they've got gum disease. It's one of the, the things you actually do see. Um, and then as well as that, eventually teeth start becoming very, very loose and the end outcome, if it's not treated, is um, actually tooth loss. The other thing that can happen, which is really interesting with this um, condition, which uh, I guess we may touch on later, but is it's, it's connected with the rest of your body. So what some people can feel at this stage is a little under the weather. And the reason why is you've got these deep pockets in your mouth and you can compare that to uh, an ulcer, the size of the palm of your hand in, you know, equivalent to that um, is, is in your mouth. So if you had a huge ulcer size of your palm um, on your, for example, another part of your body, you would feel under the weather, right? Because it's, it's all that inflammation, all that bacteria going to the rest of your body. You wouldn't feel great. So in the same way, some people, very interestingly, will say, I just don't feel quite right. I don't have enough energy. I just feel tired. And that could also be due to the gum disease. Normally, people notice that once they've had treatment and they come back and they're like, oh, I just feel so much better. 
and it's amazing when we see patients like that and just they, they came, came in with no problems and then they feel so much better after and they notice that they're a different person with more energy so that's all to do with the gum disease it's not just limited to the mouth yeah, that's very interesting. And I think with conditions such as diabetes, for example, there is a yeah. very direct, direct link that's been scientifically proven. Correct. Uh, so, and, and I think we'll do a whole separate episode on this because it's such a big topic and people don't actually yeah. know. So I think it's about just um, educating people that actually if you treat your gum disease, your diabetes might be more stable uh, as well. And Correct. Well controlled. It's an interesting stat on the point of diabetes. Um, on that point it's actually equivalent if you can do some good gum treatment it's equivalent to adding another medication to someone's diabetes regime and that is hugely significant for a patient like if you say to them you know what Mr. Smith you might not need um your I know your your GP is debating that you might need this extra drug let's do some good gum treatment you might not need that that's hugely significant but you know every drug has so many side effects um Mm -hmm. whereas treating gum disease has very little side effects and if you can uh prevent them having to need another drug. I mean, you change someone's life, which I think is uh, hugely significant. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a there is a big mouth body connection with lots of different conditions, but gum disease is, is probably one of the bigger ones. Uh, so it's important that people know that. So what would you tell your patients in terms of prevention? What do they need to be doing every single day to prevent uh, getting any gum disease? So in terms of prevention, as the, the biggest thing which we've alluded on is home care. So come up with a good regime that works for you. Um, you know, incidental brushes at least once or not at least once a day, brushing twice a day, um, spend some time, you know, in the bathroom, lock the doors. You've got five, you know, not just two minutes, but at least five, 10 minutes of actually looking after your mouth. It's not that long considering how long a day is, but it can make quite a big difference um, to your health. So you know, a lot of people see their, some of my patients who've got established gum disease, um, they spend like 15, 20 minutes in the bathroom, but they see it as like me time um, where they, you know, don't have to worry about anyone else. They put on like a podcast, like this podcast maybe, um, <laughs> and they um, kind of do their whole regime and it's, it's quite nice sort of mind, mindfulness, me time. Um, the other things you can do as well as home care is obviously think about the risk factors. So smoking, make sure, you know, if, you're, if you're, you are smoking, stop. We try to reduce, um, ideally stop. Uh, and obviously, if you're a non-smoker, just be aware that that's a risk factor, so you don't want to be getting down that road. Um, ensure that you keep healthy. So um, general health conditions, you want to minimize your risks of things like diabetes, um, other things that suppress your immune system. Stress levels are important. Stress is a huge risk factor for parental disease. Um, so you want to be able to manage your stress through different ways. Um, so all those kind of risk factors, you're tackling them in, in different ways. And I think the key thing is if you notice something that isn't quite right, it's actually flag it up and go and see your dentist or hygienist or therapist to actually be able to assess that in more detail so they can tell you what's going on, not to leave it. Mm-hmm. Would you say um, diet has a role to play in uh, healthy gums? Yeah, diet definitely is, um, has a key role and there's lots and lots more evidence on this. And it makes sense because the, the gum tissues, they need to uh, turn over. It's all made of collagen, all that type of stuff. So diet has an important role. In terms of recommending specific supplements, um, I mean, there's lots of evidence for things like vitamin C, vitamin D, um, zinc, magnesium. There's so many um, kind of things out there which have got ev- evidence. But I would just say to my patients, uh, well-balanced nutritional intake is fine. And actually, natural intake is better than supplements. And that's what the evidence has shown. So it definitely does does have a role. It's not like tooth decay, where sugar is clearly a, a key thing. It's not There's not something specific 
for gum mm-hmm. disease, but I would say um, uh, definitely consider it. Some more emerging evidence for a carbohydrate-rich diet is not as good as a sort of paleolithic diet. So there's different different things out there. Personally, I would say just focus on a good amount mm-hmm. of nutrition. Yeah, I agree. I think the most important thing is to ensure that your immune system is as as best as it can be, and it's the same with stress because stress can obviously affect your immune system and and weaken it so that's going to lead to all sorts of problems whether it's clenching whether it's progression of gum disease and things so i think that's that's quite important what about recession because for example i personally have a bit of recession that i got when i was a bit over enthusiastic with my toothbrushing before i realized i need to use an electric toothbrush so what kind of um symptoms would the patient present with and what kind of treatment options do we have for them so gum recession um, is becoming increasingly common um, even amongst the younger generation the reason why it happens is people have different types of gum they have thin gum thick gum and that's genetically determined. People with thin gum are more likely to get gum recession. Another predisposing factor is the position of your teeth in your bone. And sometimes because of braces and orthodontic treatment, the position of the tooth is a bit far out into the bone. It's not nothing the orthodontist did wrong. They had to do that to make the teeth straight. But it means that there's less or thin bone surrounding a part of that tooth. So that predisposes people to um, gum recession. Things that actually cause it are things like overbrushing, overzealous brushing, um, not just kind of scrubbing your teeth, but also the number of times you brush your teeth. So um, you don't want to be kind of brushing your teeth five, ten times a day. That's not good. Um, it's definitely going to cause some damage. So it's also then the frequency as well, overflossing, things like that. Um, and then other things that can cause it are trauma from like um, piercings, tongue piercings, lip piercings. I've often find patients who have just a single tooth with gum recession. There is a local factor like that. Um, And then also plaque can cause gum recession as well. So that's another factor. In terms of symptoms, people, firstly, aesthetics, you'll notice it. As you said, even if it's a millimeter or two, it does make a big difference to the overall aesthetics of the smile. As well as that, things like sensitivity are quite common because you're now exposed the part of the tooth that wasn't exposed before. So um, sensitivity is, is common as well. The good news is there is something you can do about it, depending on what the bone levels are like. So if it's because of gum disease, it's tricky to correct. You just have to make sure it doesn't get any worse. If it's due to overzealous brushing um, or overfrequent brushing or trauma, then what we can do is actually now do this. Lots of advanced techniques that can actually cover the gum recession. So you pull the gum down you do a gum graft um, and that's a really predictable way of improving the aesthetics often it addresses the sensitivity as well and the key thing is it doesn't get any worse um, as we move forward so i'm seeing quite a lot of patients on a weekly basis wanting to try and correct gum recession and i think it's important for people to know that when they overbrush, they're very unlikely to wear the enamel of the tooth down because obviously that's very very strong you're much more yeah. likely to wear the gum down and then you can get things like sensitivity and then obviously aesthetic concerns and also exactly. you get recession as as a part of the treatment of gum disease so how does yes. that happen yeah so um that's a really important point so when you have gum disease you your gums become very very swollen And what happens with treatment is as the pockets heal up, as the gum tightens up, the gum actually uh, becomes tighter. And so it looks like it's receded, it has receded. But that's actually a good type of recession. That means your gum is tightening to health. 
you've already lost the bone underneath. Your gum is just going to that level, um, just above that level. I think that's a key difference between that type of gum recession and the gum recession when you get when you're, for example, over, over brushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's, you know, the, the puffy gum is not the true position of your gum. It's essentially Correct. because it's inflamed. Like any infection that you have, you get swelling, yeah. redness, bleeding. Whereas once that heals and the gum will shrink back to its original position. So that's where it's meant to be in the first place. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and maybe picked up a few points. Just remember that bleeding gums are not healthy gums. And if you experience bleeding gums when you brush your teeth or when you floss, just please see your dentist to have them reviewed and assessed because this is the stage where the damage is reversible. Whereas if you leave it untreated, there can be irreversible damage to the gums. As always, I would love to know what you thought of this episode, so please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. Shadi Manucheri. Also, if you have any suggestions or questions relating to the podcast, please let me know. There will be a new episode every week, so please make sure to subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode, and I can't wait to speak to you soon.